Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to The Sap. It's your boy, Dave Neal. How are you today? Hope you're doing well. Make a quick intro here because we have a long episode. I chatted with Aiden Park. We did a car cast. Uh, he's a hilarious stand-up comedian. Uh, I want to be honest with you guys. We got real as fuck. We get real on this episode. We talk about uh, a lot of different uh, emotions that happened. Uh, Aiden, as we get into it, you'll hear about his um, lost his significant other this year. Uh, his... Um, his uh, boyfriend is living boyfriend died of cancer and we talk about it we talk about the emotions of loss and dealing with all that and overcoming and becoming a better you know version of yourself through the process and 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 finding that growth within yourself to overcome i mean it's it's a real inspirational one i just ask that you guys stick with us on this episode um and just to hang in there because it's a good one i think we grow a lot we we uh we have a real open and honest chat couple comedians talking about death and uh, life and all that's in between because we can't control any of it. All we can do is be present and uh, share love. And I hope you guys um, share, share some love with us. I hope, uh, you know, reach out to Aiden, reach out to myself if this episode was good for you. And um, again, uh, if anyone wants, the Patreon is up and active. It's patreon.com slash the sap patreon.com slash t-h-e-s-a-p and on the patreon we've got a couple different episodes i just released the brunch stand-up show so if you want you can donate to the patreon and hear the full hour and a half long stand-up show that we had from brunch uh the next brunch stand-up show is march 17th so if you want to come write in sexactuallypodcast at gmail.com and let me know if you want to come to our brunch stand-up show we give away mimosas and sex toys and it's a hilarious stand-up show and that's gonna be on saint patrick's day sunday at 11 30 a.m march 17th uh, let us know what you guys think. Um, come check by, stop by the Patreon and, uh, you don't have to donate, but come check it out, leave a comment, see what it's all about. And if you have the, uh, funds and you would like to be a part of our bonus content family, we're going to have a lot of stuff out there for you. Uh, anyway, that's patreon.com slash the sap. I hope you guys enjoy my chat with Aiden Park. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, I can't believe we've already talked for like an hour before the podcast has even gone on. We, uh, we're so primed and ready to go. I'm with Aiden Park, everybody. Yay! Oh, man. What, 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 how long ago were you on this podcast? Oh, I don't know. Two years ago? Was it that long ago? Was it, it was a, at was least it a year. three years ago? It has to no. be like two. Wait, maybe two years ago. So we got we to dive right into it, man. First of all, I haven't seen you in a bit and Sorry a lot's about my changed. toes. No, you're good. <laughs> you're good. I we're podcasting in the car. We're in the car everybody. We got our coffee. We we're in the uh the the mobile podcasting unit and we're we're ready. We we got a lot of I think I'm I'm going to go ahead and tell people before we even record this. I think this is going to be an amazing episode. I really do. You you're uh you're you're a good dude, man. And uh but a lot's happened since you were on last time. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you? I'm okay. You, I'm good. I feel good. You've you had a you had a death. Yeah, that's you, right. You had a your 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 guy. Yeah, my boyfriend died. People. It's um eight months ago. Eight months ago. Yeah. At the it's end of May. insane to me that you're as just positive as you are. <laughs> I have like a bad you know uh, hour in traffic, and I'm and I'm an emotional mess. And you're like you're able to see the bright side of like tragedy. You know. Mm. It's good, man. How do you do it? What's the secret? How the fuck do you oh. survive 
like dealing with all the bullshit of the world. Okay. So this is what actually happened. You know, Michael got cancer. I uh, met him once after a show at Flappers. Once or twice. I mean, maybe, maybe maybe a couple times. Nice nice older gentleman. We talked <laughs> to him. Older gentleman well, in we, a cane. <laughs> we talked to him. We talked to him. <laughs> Did he have a cane? <laughs> no. <laughs> His walker. He had a little squeaky walker. Yeah, walker. I wheeled him in. No, <laughs> but he was a couple years older than you. And, and He's um, 20 years older than me. Yeah, but uh. you're an adult. You're a man. Oh. You're, a, you're a hilarious stand-up comedian. Oh, and, thank you. And he was, uh, came to a show and was supportive. I thought he was just a normal audience member because he was like super supportive. And you know sometimes spouses or whatever they've seen your act a million times, but he was mm-hmm. a, he's a good guy. And then that and then all of a sudden he's he finds out what he's that he, he's got yeah he had cancer he got he, he found he found out he had cancer at the end of February I think or March and then he was gone by the end of May. Jesus Christ! Yeah. And a cancer is something that affects everybody. We've we've all got you know a grandmother or a you know, but like you also expect you expect death to happen in its full. You know what I mean? It, like my 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 dad died. He was young. He was a young guy. You know, in his or sixties is young. You know what I mean? But not like yours was just a different scenario. It was like quick. And yeah. how do you even? How do you how do you cope with that? How do you process all of this and still get on stage and still be a good guy? Okay. So, you don't I don't I didn't see really a choice for myself. This is the deal. This is this is really what happened. I wanted to fucking kill myself at because okay, me and Michael worked together for 5 years and you've met us. Yeah. <sighs> He was my guy, man. Yeah. He was, I mean, we were just, I mean, we were like, we were, I mean, if you listen to the last one, I mean, I talk about how much I love him. Like, right. he was my guy, like, really, truly. And um, at some point, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to fucking kill myself. Like, if he goes, I'm just going to, I'm just going to fucking kill myself. That's what I'm going to do. That's it. I don't and blame then, you. I don't blame you. Yeah, man. I was that. like, fuck, that's it. That's it. <laughs> and then I was like thinking, okay. There's only really two options here. Kill myself or stay alive. That's it. And I was like, okay. I think I need to stay alive because, I mean, I, I want as far as to look up oxygen tanks. <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous. but you like, I kill yourself with an oxygen tank? Yeah. Like, there's an oxygen, there's an oxygen tank. You can put a bag over your head and then it's like, it was like $70. I'm not, I mean, don't, don't, don't get oxygen tanks, people. If you or, have a tight budget, uh, <laughs> you don't want to. A helium tank, you know. I was like, oh, man. Because, like, okay, like, in the hospitals, like, shit. Oh, my God. The shit. Like, there was points where, like, I'd tell them, like, conversations like, hey, do you want to go into hospice care? Or do you want to continue to fight this? The doctors say you have a 3% chance of sur- 3% chance of survival. And they're being generous with that. It's really advanced. They don't even know where it's from. What do you want to do? Like, shit like that. And I was like, I can't do it. And he had no family. So I was like, ah, ah holding his arms down so he doesn't rip out his IVs because he's so doped up. Like, shit like that, man. It was fucked. Yeah, that's not something you see sort of uh, in in the... Uh, that's not that's not something you necessarily hear about when, when you're having the conversations. Like, the like the true moments of uh, feeling the feelings. You know? Yeah. I, always, I always thought I'd almost be more sad knowing... Like, if I was terminally ill, I would feel bad for those that are around me worse than knowing that, um, you know, it's, it, it almost sounds narcissistic to say this, mm-hmm. but knowing, like, say, say if someone close to me died, 
I know I'd like figure it out. But if I left, I would be abandoning people. So there's that burden that the person who's dying must feel that that they've that they're going to be leaving not on their own terms, you know. Yeah. Not that anyone ever leaves on their own terms. Yeah. But it's but you you made a choice. So this is the guy, you know, that last episode we talked you know, was, and again, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, for even bringing this up, but I knew, I, I knew I wanted to talk to you about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm the one here that's way more emotional about it than you are. Oh, and it I've, clearly, I've gone but it just goes to show like, yeah, my own sort of, you know, needing to deal with, you know, I don't know, my, you know, whatever shit that's on my chest, but it's inspirational to say the least that you're out here making, making strangers laugh doing your thing but also having just in the last year had to grow the fuck up i mean does it how does it how how does your view on the world how is your view on the world now as opposed to a year ago well here's the thing so after i decided not to kill myself (laughs) i was like okay well i can't kill myself because i look at you know i gotta man my lowest of the low moment was this okay i had just had a night where he was so doped up that like Oh my god, like he uh shit. Okay. So this was the worst day. It was actually the day after my birthday. I spent the birthday in the hospital. And then he was in the hospital and then it was like, you know, and he was so doped up, right? And then like the hot the He was like, I don't know where I am. And the nurses came in and they were like, Hey, Mr. James, do you know where you are? And it's like she was like, Who is he? Right? And points to me. And he goes, You know what? That's Aiden. And it's his birthday today. And he had to spend his birthday in the hospital. And so next year, you're going to get two birthdays. And then I just lost it. I was like, man, even when he's in that state, dude, like, That's he incredible. cared about me. I was like, wow. Incredible guy. So that was um, really tough, right? So that, the day after that, I was like, I don't think I want to go on. And I talked to my mom. And my mom said, I'm staying alive for you because grandma passed away and I just wanted to kill myself too, but I stayed alive for you. That's what my mom said to me. And I said to my mom, I was like, well, then why don't we just both kill ourselves, mother? Because (laughs) I don't see a point in my going on either. And I'd be staying alive for you. And if I'm staying alive for you and you're staying alive for me, what's the point? Let's just go. Yeah. I said that to my mother, like in the hospital emergency room. In Korean next to my boyfriend, which is like, that's fucked, right? And then she was so disappointed and upset and sad. And But a lot up. of people wouldn't have that conversation. A lot of people would feel those feelings. You know, there's something to be said about just, about <laughs> just saying it. You know, there's plenty of times, and again, you know, folks listening, we're not, you know, we're, 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 we're too charismatic comedians over here <laughs> sharing our woes but i hope i hope it relates in the sense that like we all have that feeling we all have that morose feeling where you're walking where you just go like you know i could just fucking slip my wrist it doesn't mean you're gonna do it but it's like the there is always that option on the table yeah. and when you're presented with opportunities or situations like this you go look look man aiden you you were dealt a fucking hand that most people wouldn't be able to overcome 
and that's and that's something that you know the hundreds of people that you know out in this entertainment business that we do all look at you and go shit i don't think i could have handled that i don't think i could have overcome that and you've done it in a way there and again it's not about speediness or whatever but the fact that you've been able to sort of like keep your positivity but also know the realness of the situation is like i i commend you for that you know oh thank you well i hope my hope is that they don't think i didn't love him because okay like After that, I decided I can't kill myself, right? Because I also did some research, and it, like when you kill yourself, it it, it goes to third and fourth gener, like third and four. It rings out to like third, like psychologically yeah, or emotionally. Like, it's like my mom, and then it'll affect my mom's friends. It's disturbing when someone kills himself. Absolutely, to a it, it like makes an impact and affects. But Brody Stevens, man, okay, for example, right? He killed himself, and it's like. People who didn't even know him are like disturbed. Like I see very it on dis- very disturbed. disturbing. And for those listening, if you're not like a super big in the comedy world, Brody Stevens was a very likable, uh, longtime professional stand-up comedian that thousands of people were just shocked. I mean, he had battled depression and other things for so long, and then he was found last Friday. Um, they, you know, he hanged himself, and he just couldn't overcome it. He couldn't figure out the right cocktail of medication, and he was off this and. And it was horrible because you see a guy who preaches positivity, who he's, he says it to the audience, but he says it to himself, Eat positive vibes and enjoy it. And just about being present. He won't let you sit in the audience with your arms crossed. He's all about mm-hmm. just being this, this force. And then he's gone. And then he couldn't. So when someone like that, who's had their own success, you know, he's in hangover, he's in different movies. He's, he's, uh, you know, a a regular and and loved by everybody. He couldn't figure it out. Mm -hmm. So it's a very challenging, um, predicament life gives us. And I don't pretend to have any issues that are worse or better than others. Whenever I see people that have their shit together or like you think have their shit together, you just, you just got to remember wealth, you know, uh, success nothing matters we are we are all are all of our issues boiled down probably affect us the same like like i you know i've had some good things happen recently and and it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter i'm still gonna wake up certain days feeling a certain way and have to beat that feeling out of me not in a way where i'm sweeping things under the rug but like i said before we started talking some days i know i got to go for that hour and a half long run Mm. i know i need to go for a run because i know that gets my head to a place of survival where i'm just worried about catching my breath and then i can't think too far ahead at all the unknowns but it's these unknowns that we have that can lead us into fucking dark places how do you how do you feel after the funeral how do you You've decided not to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. You, but more... here's, but here's, here's the key point there. I decided not to kill myself. And I'm like, okay, I have to stay alive. Okay, now I have another choice. I'm staying alive here. I'm anticipating a lot of misery staying alive, right? I'm like, uh, I'm going to be with Michael. It's going to be miserable. Is that a choice? Is that something I can do something about? And I decided, I, because a belief is something that you, it's a group of thoughts that you've pulled together and kind of made them a fact. I don't believe, like, beliefs are not real. Nothing's real. So, like, if okay, if you can look at me 
and an Asian person, <laughs> another Asian guy, right? A- another Asian comic. Aiden's Korean for those uh, right. oh, piecing, Korean. piecing together yeah. your ethnicity. Like, what is it? <laughs> so one person can say, ah, oh, being Asian is so tough in this industry. That's a belief. Is it true? Is it not? I don't know. One person It's true if you it. believe it. Right. Yeah. And then the other one can say, being Asian is a huge advantage in this industry. Is it true or is it not? And who's going to succeed more? What, who, what belief are you going to hold that's going to serve you? Right? That's what I think about beliefs. So I sat there and I was like, okay, I'm going to stay alive. Am I going to be miserable or am I going to be happy? And am I going to believe that I can do something about being happy or am I going to be powerless to the situation? Fuck that. If I'm going to stay alive, I am not going to be miserable. I'm going to be fucking happy. So I'm going to hold the belief that I can do something about it. And that's it. End of argument. Case fucking closed. I don't give a shit. That's it. I'm not staying alive and being miserable. I don't care. Like that's just not. I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to stay here for 50 years and be fucking miserable. You know what I mean? It's. It almost (laughs) seems like you've got a very sped up uh, ability to process this. I mean, a lot of people will spend years. You know, when they. You know, the saying like, you know, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Where some some people, it takes them years to sort of hit that bottom because they. But for you, it's almost like you sprung right back up. And I'm not saying that like you. I'm not saying that like your life's all happiness and this and that, but you're right in the sense that limitations, if we, if we feed limitations, that's all we'll know. If- a lot of people just wait. Okay. Like I'm not going to, okay. So I've been big into self-improvement before, right? Like before this started and I really love, um, I, I like neuro-linguistic programming is like something that I really am big into. And neuro-linguistic programming is your languaging and the way you speak really creates the world around you. So, for example, if somebody says, I am lazy, then they are lazy. Whereas I could say, I have a tendency to be lazy sometimes. It softens that and it gives your power back. Whereas I am lazy, attached that's you who you, right? So, okay, it's about it's all about linguistics, and I think like when uh, I, not I'm not judging anybody, whatever. Like, but for me, I notice a lot of people just hope shit gets better. Situations, they hope it just gets better, and that's it. Like, oh, like maybe if I stick around long enough conditions in this world will change to make me feel different yeah we uh we very much want to think that the world is fair so if we wait in line we'll be served and it's not the case in that order and then someone you know take stormy daniels just as an example a lot of people are outraged i could care less but a lot of people are outraged that she started doing headlining stand-up comedy she's (laughs) had something interesting to say and it's like (laughs) it's like it's whether it's stand-up or she does a theater act or a book signing at a library people are going to show up regardless of the venue It, it doesn't affect what you or i do um but but it it goes to show that waiting in line for your turn and just thinking that things are going to come together is not always the right way to be. But like, so you take our career, right? You know, success for us is a, is a byproduct of a lot of things. And one of them is like how many times you get on stage. Like very simply, if you get on stage a million times, you'll be a million times funnier than the first time comic. Like there's just a, there's a certain sort of uh, benchmark. To, is to that the, true? I don't think so. Well, I'm just saying it's, it's an example that's it, it, okay. I, 
I would believe that. So I would mail it in. I would still do writing, but I would, I would work just on stage time Mm -hmm. because that's kind of like where my sort of obsessive brain goes. Mm -hmm. I remember I was, I remember I've talked about this before where like Tasha and I were on a hike and I was like counting with my hands. I was like counting my fingers and she goes, what the fuck are you doing? And I go, Oh, you don't want to know. She goes, what? I was like, I was counting how many times I got on stage this week. And, um, she's like, Wow. That's fucked up. And I go, I know. Why is that fucked up? It was fucked up because I wasn't in the moment. I was worried. I was kind of obsessing over how many times I got on stage that week and when I should have just been on a hike with my girlfriend. And and I think... So anyway, the point is, is that you can go on stage eight times, 10 times a week and think that you'll have your turn and then somebody who's two years into stand-up laps you because they're just doing it in their own unique way. Mm-hmm. So it's not always, it's not a, it's not an exact science of like what leads to creative success. Mm-hmm. And it's important like for us to remember to think outside the box, to do things differently. Who knows? I mean, this podcast, you know, that we're doing right now. And again, I'm all about feeling my feelings in the moment, feeling my guests feelings in the moment. So like, if this isn't the most chipper podcast, people can just, just click next. You know what no. I mean? You got 325 other ones. <laughs> and that's fair. And it's like, that's what you have the right to do if this is like not the comeuppance you needed. But for a select group of my listeners or our listeners right now, this might be exactly what they need. It's just kind of a conversation of like digging yourselves out of the rubble and surviving and thriving and saying, I don't give a damn about like wallowing in my own pity. Let's fucking go. I care about I I care more about my experience in this life than anything else. That's it. That my my experience. Okay, like Michael died. I am not going to be miserable. I am going to be happy. I'm not going to be here. And, and of course, I'm not going to be perfect every single day. But I am going to be happy. That's it. I don't. I'm not. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what any. Oh, you've been mourning for a year. I don't, I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks. I am going to have a good experience. When my, uh, when my buddy, uh, friend from high school died two years ago, I, uh, I didn't know what the fuck to do. He died of a stroke. Just boom, like that. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen him in a bit. And I just, the best thing I can do when I think of him is to just emulate all the positive things he did. Yeah. That's it. He was like recklessly, recklessly a positive God, there wasn't a time where I wasn't in high school or whatever where I could be like, you know, if I, if I was like, dude, Diggs, we got to go to the mall. We just got to go. You know, I live, we live in a boring town. I'm like, we got to go. Come on. He, and he goes, all right, I'm on, I'm on my way. I'm already there. <laughs> He's like, he was just ready to be like a team player and and was so much a reliable force in my life that just because he's gone doesn't mean he that doesn't live on. And it's about... It's about taking those positives that we've learned from friends or lovers along the way and in using their best skill set and adapting it for your own. And that's kind of how you sort of carry on that lineage. Like what, what did he do that, that you remember most fondly that, that, that like you were moving forward with? You know what? You know what happened? Is uh. You're right. When when Michael passed away, I was like, "Well, I can't get all the positivity and love that I got from Michael from that source. So I got to provide that for myself. How do I do that?" Okay. He was my go-to bounce-off ideas kind of guy, right? Like I was like, 
Michael, is this okay? I would always double check, triple check. Like, Michael, what do you think about this? What do you think about it? Bounce off a lot of anything I did, right? And at some point I was like, oh. And then I also immediately jumped into a rebound relationship that I shouldn't have. I was just like, ah, we're, I mean, it sounds like I got my shit together, but like, you know, like we're, uh, I mean, I'm still kind of up and down, right? But like for a few months there, I was just like crazy. Like I, I made that decision about the happiness thing. Like I'm going to be happy. And I went, I was kind of manic in that search. Sure. Does it make sense? I was like, ah, anything, drugs, alcohol, boys, sex. Uh, and at the same time, seeking spirituality and getting closer relationships with the friends and just figuring shit out. Just like, ah, you got a lot of free time and a lot of energy to burn in those situations to say, all right, I'm going to bury myself in work. I'm going to bury myself in sex. I'm going to bury myself because I mean, and, and I think even though it's not always, you're not always filling your love well up with the healthiest things that you need, you're searching for that. And that's better than laying in your, I mean, we all, we, there's no, you know, we all, have the right to grieve the loss and all that. And at some point that action turns in from grief to like, okay, yeah, like I got to rebuild this thing and you got to, I mean, have you, have you worried at all about opening yourself up to anybody else? Or are you like, have you, have you like, I, I just, I would be so, it's hard for me not to get mad when, when I hear things like this happen because you go, fuck man, you're a good guy. He's a good guy. What the fuck? And with my own relationships, it's like, even with, you put good people together, they don't always work out. I remember, I remember getting emotional when my cousin got divorced and I was like, what the fuck? This doesn't even affect me. Mm -hmm. But like just the idea that people tried their best and it wasn't enough. And this, in the, in the idea that sometimes whether it's breakup or it's death, or whatever else it is, sometimes you try your best and it still doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. And you go, what the fuck is the purpose of this? What's the purpose of opening yourself up to, to then find out that the person you open yourself up to is terminally ill? And there's that fear that you never know when that love will be taken away from you. Right. Whether it's through that or even, I mean, honestly, I would think the best case scenario with a loved one is that they cheat on you. That's the best case scenario because you rip they, and you go, you know what? Fuck them. It wasn't real. Death, it's like, well, it was real and it wasn't taken away by choice. Mm -hmm. Cheating and, and adult, adultery, things like that. It's like there's a choice that's made to like end the relationship in a way that's like finite. Like, I mean, not to say you can't come back from that, but for the most part, it's like someone's decided they moved on. They're in love with someone else, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well. I got to believe in myself then. But when it's like death, it's like, no, 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 no. There's literally was nothing other than some fucking biological shit that, that's, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know if I could, if I could so easily resolve myself from like how it ends that way. Mm -hmm. Like my buddy getting a stroke. It's like, so, so a couple like, so you got a blood clot in your brain? Really? At 30 years old? Really? That's what it was? That's what got you? After like, living your whole life with asthma and playing football and like, you know, in like hustling. He, 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 my buddy Diggs was like a three-legged dog who didn't care that he was three-legged. He just fucking plowed through mm -hmm. and all of a sudden a switch is hit. Stroke, dead. Right. Really? That's it? Mm. That's it? Brody Stevens, really? You can hang yourself after all this shit that you've, that you've accomplished? Mm -hmm. 
so it's almost like you don't you don't get it's the lack of control of it all that's that I still struggle with because it's like it's you don't get a say in the matter you know I I've got parents that are getting to that age where you're like fuck man they both went to the hospital this year and they're fine but I was like shit you're not supposed to be this isn't supposed to happen yet. Yeah. You know, and it's for everyone who's listening, we've all got somebody who that's the case. We've all got a friend and it's rare that it's, you know, the situation where they they beat mother nature. You know, she wins. Yeah. And it's just about resolving to to still accept the um I don't know, the faith that like things are going to be okay, accepting accept, accepting the the faith that you can learn to love someone else and it doesn't get in the way of this love. I mean, I do worry about like, you know, sharing yourself with someone else. Are you, are you guarded at all with that? No, because this is what I realized. I, this is what I think. <laughs> okay. So with this thing happening, I realized, okay. So I went on like a spiritual kind of journey thing mm-hmm. all right uh, not, not a journey but this is what i realized after all of that after whatever happened i realized oh and then a lot of shitty things happened man <laughs> with, the, with the whole like what with the boys thing i mean i ended up with a guy who was in the middle of a divorce he lived alone but he was bisexual but he was a sex addict. like i mean and he wanted to be exclusive and then so i just kind of went with it and then it, it was kind of like that yeah um I mean, I was trying to figure it out. And I was in a shitstorm after Michael died because I had to clean up our apartment. I had to move. I had our dog and I had to give him away. It was like a sh- it was a shitstorm, right? What? That's got to be the hardest part for me. It, I mean, the, the thinking fuck. of like moving people's stuff. And uh, I mean, I'm sure it's healthy. I'm sure it's a healthy way to process things. But and God no one damn. can help you. No one can help you. I ha- there is nobody to help you. I had to go into my apartment full of Michael shit. Oh, so after, after Michael died, I went to Washington State and I took on a job. Like, um, I took on a, a, a contract job so I could get myself out of debt. Like, because I was in debt. It was like this. It was like, oh, the hospital prescribes a certain medication that's going to help with Michael's pain. Michael is in a lot of pain. I go to six different pharmacies to find that fucking thing. And then you get to the seventh one, and they are the only ones who carry it, but they won't accept your insurance. And Michael's last dose worn out, so now what do you do? You put it on your fucking card. This you fucking know, health insurance Man. scam that we have right now is it's it's reached a threshold, and it will change with this next election. Tasha, Tasha had a pill that she needed to get that was eight hundred dollars a pill. She found it, I think, in India, and I think they sent a pack of sixty for. And including shipping, she bought, she got a pack of sixty pills for like eighty dollars. Yeah. The shipping itself was like eighty percent of the cost. Yeah. So she was able to find these pills for pennies that that are being sold in our land of the great mm-hmm. for eight hundred dollars each. Yeah. And these are the stories that people go like, the fuck Th- yeah. these insurance? What is this shit? The guy the guy should be provided for in his own country. Yeah. He's like a goddamn like, he's a good guy, mm-hmm. and you are too. This you shouldn't have to be worrying about. Which credit card you're gonna put pain meds on? It was shit. But this is what I realized. As uh, going back to your question about being afraid of, what I realized, and what's made me the most because I was like, I want to be happy, and that was like really 
the point of right like i don't care like i just want to be happy yeah that's and that's fair bottom line and Aiden wants to be happy you can't control conditions anyone can die at any moment your car could blow up yep your mom could die your home could burn you could lose your leg you could lose an eye you could lose your hair you could everything you have can be taken away from you and are you still gonna be happy and that's still your choice like and so like i'm gonna uh, so like what i realized was okay because everything happens like that anyway i mean you i mean i mean not to you know make the sound you and tasha could live together for another 40 years and at some point you two will separate I, you I, will die, or she will die, or you will separate. I've or what? got this horrible thing that, like, guys always die first. It, like, statistically, and I just my biggest fear is that I would die and leave them, leave you know, leave her. That's my bigger fear than her leaving me. And it's and it's always possible. And I guess in relationships, that's why you just want to set set your spouse up or your significant other up if, for a situation in which like they'll be okay without you. But you know, like yeah, like you said, it's it's all like a giant simulation here, and we're we're we don't control the conditions; we control how we react. And it's not always pretty. It's not always pretty at first, but like, you know, you, you, you learn. We were talking before the podcast about growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And I feel like growth mindset happens when, when fixed mindset doesn't, when you can't survive off of a fixed mindset. So does that make any sense? You can, if you can survive your whole life off of a fixed mindset, you will. Mm-hmm. But when it comes, when, when, when like you've got to figure shit out because he doesn't have any family, you're going to figure shit out. You're going to figure part like this, you know, dude attacked by a cougar or the fucking whatever. The scenario is you learn because you have to, not because you wanted to. You just have to, you just have to. There's no other way to cope and 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 deal with the next day than to learn how to survive these situations it's just you know i just wish like you as a really good guy didn't have to go through that but i know that you're you're better off for it you know and i know like friends that are breaking you know someone goes through a breakup or has to deal with their mom being you know in hospice or whatever you just you can't do much other than let them know you're there for them because in the end there's nothing more important than knowing people are there to support you. Did you feel that support from the community? Did you feel yes. it from from the from the comedy world? Were you like how did how did that feel? Yeah, I mean, any surprises? Yeah. I mean, I got I got I retreated. Uh, so last February after Michael got cancer, I like just did not perform on any comedy shows in uh, February through about May. Like it just didn't. And then all, and then Michael passed away, and so I had to make an announcement of some sort, you know. Yeah, I mean, most people didn't know till it was, you know. I know you had mentioned it to me, but you know, you never know. You never know how it is, and I think it's, you know, it's just, it's very brave of you to. I mean, yeah, we live in this world with stand-up where we have to, we have to be authentic and honest, and you know, not not with every like minutia detail, but like in the end, if you're gonna get on stage, you're gonna have to you know, share, open up. Yeah. And I mean, has that, was that something you did right away when you got back on stage or were you, yeah. you were My able to first set afterwards? I talked about him dying. How did it feel? Um, I think it's what he would have wanted because he was such a type to be like, oh, anything bad happens. Like, all right, pick it up, move on. You know, that's what, what he would do. Like, all right, blah, blah. He like hated Hollywood because it, 
in Hollywood, there's a lot of movies about misery, people being miserable, circumstances that make these people miserable, and they're stuck there, and then those movies win an Oscar. Yeah. And he's like, these people are just miserable for no reason. They're miserable. Why are they miserable? Why? Hipster. Ah, you know? He hated and I kind of agree with him. I'm like, I feel like hipster culture perpetuates this thing where it's like, oh, you're unhappy? Well, because you're unhappy, you can do these shitty things and we'll forgive you. And you can live in your unhappiness and not take responsibility for your unhappiness. And don't take any, you know, yeah, just stay where you are. Which is fine if you have the privilege to do that, which a lot of people in L.A. do and they have the money and the resources. But if you send that message out to people in fucking Nebraska with nothing... That's dangerous because now you've taken away their self-efficacy. Now you've taken away their optimism. Now you've taken away their hope. So we're going to preach this kind of living to those people over there who literally have nothing. And yeah. you don't think that's a, you don't think that that perpetuates to the suicide rate of the country? I think in any society, whether it's like hipsters in L.A. or hipsters in New York or businessmen in New York or moms in Nebraska, I think there's probably a pretty uh, similar percentage of people that are dealing or coping with their issues because what you learn is that money doesn't solve them and you know and, and happiness isn't it's not related so when people get certain successes they realize it's it's void of real feelings and yeah, it's, but people have the privilege to be able to do that when you have money if you have money you have the privilege to be able to go to a therapist and talk i know and what, what i'm saying is that it goes to show that people still don't know how to cope with their issues even with money like sometimes yes like therapy can 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 buy you know a more enlightenment because you're putting yourself in a situation where you're affording the people to kind of like mold you and help you but also there's plenty of of folks that like work blue collar jobs or in the military that or 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 are poor as shit that are happy because they're pursuing their goals and their dreams and they have something to live for and a lot of times like look i i i i, t I tell people this if you presented me with a check for a million bucks it wouldn't provide me the happiness I seek. It, the happiness I seek would come from me uh, working out a joke and, and making an audience laugh. And, no. and, and not that I say that's the only way I'm, I feel happy. I feel happy when I can just get pizza with friends. Mm -hmm. Or I feel happy when I, um, uh, you know, just... Yeah, there's a guy that I barely knew, um, this old man that got a principal role on SNL this week. Mm -hmm. His name is David Boston. I don't even know him, but he's from the, he's from the New England um, acting community. And he's... Dude, dude's like in his late 70s and he got a really good role on a on an SNL short. If anyone watched SNL this week, it was the one where all, they have they build this uh, toilet seat ejector so old people can be shot out of the toilet seat onto their bed. <laughs> and, it, and like this guy, and I'm like, I'm so happy for this dude. I've, I've got happiness seeing other people succeed because like I really want the best for everybody. And if someone just cut me a check, it wouldn't provide that for me. Yeah. Like it's just like the battle that I feel like I'm in is it's like like it's reflective of like the conversations i have on this podcast it's a quest for knowledge it's a quest for identity and it's a quest for positive communication with strangers and friends and family and and i and i and i can personally say that the last 10 years you know from uh, or 12 years from when i graduated college and began this like self help sort of um journey there's there's times when i'm self actualizing like fucking good like i'm envisioning a big job coming and it does and this and that and my love life's good and then there's times when i get myself in this rut of limitations like we talked about where i'm like like why me 
and that why me vibe is oh it's the it's the most pitiful vibe in the world and and you know people know if you've listened for long enough I've I've had that vibe where I'm like why me why is this guy you know like I've done stand up the ex- same x amount of times as this guy but he's on the you know his podcast is through the roof and it's like mm-hmm. and and so like I I struggle with with finding my own validation through quote unquote successes within the industry when someone could look at me as like the epitome of success right. with a relationship and with a podcast and standups going well. And you know, yeah, I'm doing okay physically like those types of things. Someone else can look at me and go, that guy's got it. Mm-hmm. And then I look at you and I go, no, I don't. Yeah. You know, I'm still a mess. I, I you know, I still have these podcasts where to me, it's so important. Like, like Aiden, I can't tell you the level of evangelical, like, like love that you're providing me. Do you know what I mean? Like you were the right person for me to talk to today, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't even know you that well. Like I, ah! I, I respect you and I love you. And I, like, you're a great guy. And, and I, and I know you're on your way to like crazy levels of success that like, you know, I don't think you'll change, but I think when, when the world gets to know you on the level, that's like, you know, what what we consider success which is like look i could i could care less if people know me i just want to be able to fill up comedy clubs so i can afford to do what i do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i'd rather do that than have fame the last thing i want is people to follow me around we're podcasting in a car if we're both super famous people are looking at us right now like what the fuck are they doing mm-hmm. you know like i don't need that i just i just want to be at the point and again, I don't know, tell me if this is just me like saying a limitation right now, but I just want to be at the point where where the money I make and the, and the house I buy and, and all that in the dog food for the dog comes from the monetary value of me doing what I love, which is spreading laughter and, you know, in, in, in good times, okay. you know? And I think at the podcast right now is at the level where it happens on a micro sort of level where if you just add a couple of zeros to the amount of people downloading this, then I would be at that spot where the average, it would all click together. Mm-hmm. But, the, but, the, but even saying that puts me in the limitation where like, I don't have enough right now. Right. And it's like, I do have enough, but I'm just, I'm working through it as I tell you, like, you know, what the fuck am I trying to say? It's just like the struggle of like finding success in this hyper competitive industry when we both know if we wanted to, we could be successful or quote unquote successful doing some some other job, some like more, you know, job that doesn't have a, a million people vying for the same exact thing. Yeah. But it's kind of like that pressure, as long as we keep our heads above us, that pressure to succeed can be a good thing you know, as it creates us, as it, as it gives us sort of like that edge where like, you'll always, you'll always be a funny, lovable guy on stage, but because of the issues you've had and because you haven't hidden from them, you're going to be that much of a better version of yourself. Cause if you can tackle that and handle the loss that you've had in the last year, ain't no audience going to stop you. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm out of gas. You know, I'm just—I don't know what the point was, other than it's—it's it's impressive for me, and I'm sure for people listening to see you continue on your journey with all the loss. And I have to remember case studies like yours when I when I have my own roadblocks to go. If Aiden can fucking pick his himself up after you know all of the shit that you've had to deal with, then like. They, then like I need to put on my big boy pants with my little issues and realize I'll be okay. And for people listening, you'll be okay. 
Like you will just be okay. You just have to make that choice to like move on in a upward positive direction. I don't it's, know. It's not, I don't, th- uh, you know, it's, I don't want to beat a dead horse with it. No, no, no. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I like the concept of talking about the, the, the happiness choice, right? Like, you know what I mean? Do you know that pressure that you were talking about? The whole, like, I want to succeed. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't like it. Like, and it, re- it really is a feeling tone. I feel like happiness, what, what I've discovered, happiness just comes down to the thoughts that you think and a feeling tone. It really the does. thoughts that you think and a feeling tone. So... Do you want me I, to turn the AC on? Are you okay in here? Yeah, are, are you hot? Like, yeah, we can turn right, the AC I'll on. just turn it on. I don't think the audience will even hear much. We got the car going, guys. You listen this long, we'll be fine. I'll oh, turn the radio off, though. <laughs> uh, beep, beep, beep. Uh, yeah, I was starting to heat up. The sun was coming out. Right? Like, oh, yeah, you're on the I know, we're good now. Sun side, too. So the thoughts... Okay, so happiness... In, say, say that again. Because what I've discovered is we live moment to moment to moment to moment. And when you think a thought for a prolonged period of time, other thoughts will join it along that emotional sphere. If my goal is to be happy, then all I need to do is kind of manage those thoughts and keep my good vibrations going. How do you no matter stop what from, happens. How do you stop from focusing on the negative or the gatekeeping or all the the limitations like what do you do when that happens what do you mean when you know you can be as positive as you want but what happens when you submit to a comedy festival and you don't get in or like what happens when you're presented with like we don't have the control over the yeses we get in our life sometimes but we have we have to keep putting ourselves out there so that what do you do to sort of limit that feeling of loss when you when success doesn't happen at every at every turn. Okay, so I, I've taken on that too, actually. <laughs> There's a bunch of things that... Okay, so before when I would run my... Co- okay, so here's a good example. Um, there's two examples, okay? Firstly, I, run an, I, ran, I used to run an LGBT comedy show at the Laugh Factory, right? You mm-hmm. know about this. I used to run an LGBT show at the Laugh Factory. And um, uh, when Michael died, I was like, before I would be like, I would reach out to people that I wasn't really that close to, or I would get like the cold shoulder from just because I wanted to be inclusive of the LGBT community, just because I wanted to be that. So part. like well-known comedians that would fit into your right, and yeah. not to say, and I mean, there's some really wonderful ones, and sure. then there's ones that are like, meh, meh, right, and that's fine. But like, I I was like, I run this show, I don't need to put you on, so I'm gonna go where I'm celebrated, not tolerated. So, if I feel like you're not, I'm, no, I, I'll just put this new person on who's been doing it for a year. So, you'd rather you follow. You can sit there and gripe about whatever you want to gripe about, but this person's going to put in the effort and going to bring positive energy. That's where I'm going to, I'm going to go where I feel good. I'm not going to try to force anything that doesn't feel good for me. Celebrated, not tolerated. And it's, it's been going so much better. Comedy's been going so much better. Uh, that like, makes so much sense. You know, it's like you don't you don't need people in your life, even if they've got their own successes, if if it's not going to make you feel good. I mean, I've 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 felt I feel this when I book the podcast, where I go, I could be booking like higher name people, and 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 not not to say they won't be a lot of them won't be nice to me, but like the conversation I can have with my friends and my peers, like people that are on my level, is way more authentic to me than say if I'm interviewing someone who's a 45 year vet of stand up comedy. While I would get something out of that podcast too, I get 
I get so much more out of speaking to you because like you, I, I feel like you, when I, when I look back at like who was on my journey with me, which comics were my peers, uh, you're, you're, you're in that tool belt of fucking awesome people. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like there, there's hundreds that I know, but there's probably 12 or so that I'm that I if I put a lineup together I'd be like all of these people are awesome for their own reasons they're all like working hard doing it at the same level I am and there's that like mutual sort of appreciation that I feel I mean we started at the Carmel Lounge man <laughs> I know long and they've yet to replace that it's still sitting there so funny <laughs> it wants to break into the Carmel Lounge oh dude oh man Carmel. how long have you been doing stand up for how many years uh 8 years 8 years yeah yeah 7 7 this eight? April is my 7 my mantra this year has been lucky. And I know that's not really a mantra, but lucky in the sense that, all right, seventh year stand up, let's let's have luck and let's like let's let luck into my life and let the right decisions happen because I've worked really hard for them. Yeah. And and knowing that like I'm not you don't you don't it's not a mistake that you've la- that I've lasted this long doing stand up and it's about being like, Okay, I'm I'm actually I, I look back at my first year of comedy and they they used to let me headline this show at Gotham in the little um uh, the 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 B level stage, um, in New York City, and I and I looking back and go, shit, man, I can't believe they used to let me do that like mm-hmm. six months into stand up. Now I'm seven years in. I should have a lot more confidence in my abilities now. And we, but LA will beat us down because sometimes we won't perform in front of ideal audiences. And I had a show last week, and every joke got a laugh. I wish I had more stage time. I wish I had more time on stage because I was literally would have to interrupt the laughter to get to my next joke. And like, that's how it's supposed to be. That means we're doing the right thing. Like the audiences are giving us that sort of love and that energy because we've worked hard to communicate our premises and our jokes in the right way that it's airtight. And, and it's, it's interesting You know, I always try to relate comedy to life because, like, when you work hard at something, you will get the rewards. I had a buddy who was a DJ, and he used to be horrible. He was a bad DJ. Everyone used to make fun of him, and he's done it for a long time, and he's gotten really good at it. And it's, like, it's easy to knock on people that are new to something because, like, they suck right away or whatever. But it's, like, you just wait. You just wait. One day, you're going to be – you're going to forget that – you're going to forget about that person and then you're going to see him and you go like, oh, they're fucking good now. Yeah. Shit, they got their shit together. <laughs> That's why with comics, I always say, you know, even if someone sucks, it's like, comedy is a muscle and yeah, some people just like never figure it out or it wasn't meant to be. But a lot, in a lot of instances, you'll see someone one day and you go, shit, I didn't know they'd turn out like that. Mm-hmm. They're fucking good. Yeah. And it's not like a linear progression it's like just like enlightenment it's like a leap it's like an energy like level leap whenever i have a new bit i always think it's like one it's like that bit's one more click towards the evolution of where i want to be right and it's not always airtight or even close right away but all of a sudden you know i'll be doing a new bit i've been doing this new bit and then an old joke fits right into the middle of it an old joke that didn't work and now it works perfectly because and it's like oh that's all out there. The, the it's all out there. It's just a product of like hard work, vision, positivity, all these things. But like these roadblocks that we have along the way, and I hope audiences, I hope our, this podcast audience doesn't think we're, you know, wallowing in this negativity. But there's a lot of emotions. Why we, is there a negative? Uh, no, know, no, no. But I'm, you know. I, you know, you know, from our conversation, I brought a lot of, I've, I've brought a lot of my own emotions into this episode where we're talking about your crisis and yet I'm the one who's <laughs> probably having having a, a harder time controlling my emotions and I in in a part of it is just we we work so hard uh 
fighting for the for the stage time and fighting for all the successes that it we were I think we were talking about this auditioning before I think we talked about this before the podcast but that ability to be detached and not have that nervous energy is what's great for auditioning because you walk into an audition, you're cool, calm, you're confident, you're just ready to go. And people go, that guy's got it. Yeah. Versus versus if I walked in after a coffee being like, let's fucking do this. Yeah. And I'm all like, they're like, whoa, calm down, guy. It's tension. People don't like tension. Any kind of tension. Positive tension, negative tension. And for me too, I don't like it. And we talked about it briefly with, with relationships, bringing tension into relationships. So like the idea... And you mentioned this and I go, oh my gosh, you're so spot on in that I'm my best, I'm like a, I'm like a giant Labrador puppy who doesn't know he's knocking shit over. Like I, like I, like I mean well, but my energy can be too big sometimes, especially when negotiating with Tasha in conversations, dating, whatever, that like, it can be scary to an introvert. Mm -hmm. It can be like, I can be overcome uh, over overwhelming with my own sort of like passions. I'll come home from stand up and have to like decompress or remember to decompress before I walk through that door. Cause yeah, I'll, but isn't that adding tension? If you're like, I need to decompress and then I'm going to walk in decompress. That's like, you're like, no, no, but I need to like, I need to not, I need to know that, 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 that I possess that high strung w- tension and I need to be able to press the right buttons whether it be like through listening to some music in the car ride home or whatever, but I need to get myself into a place of calmness between the highs and lows of stand up. Oh, I kind of, okay, like, okay, so this is, this is what I decided, you know, with the whole belief thing. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to decide that I'm like, I'm going to give myself a fucking break. I'm great the way I am. I'm figuring shit out. That's fine. I feel good right now. It's great whatever i'll make mistakes i'll fix them i'm fine i'm good whatever <laughs> i feel great right now i'm good that's where i live i'm gonna live there that's good. where i'm gonna be. Uh, you know what like maybe i didn't do this thing right but uh, you know everybody makes mistakes ah, ah, yeah ah. no i guess i guess what i mean <laughs> is like is like yeah no i want to be authentic to who i am but i also don't want that to be overwhelming in the relationship when the when it like <sighs> especially living in a small place. It's like, I'll come home after a show or something and like Tasha will be like sleeping on the couch or like relaxing. And I'm coming. I'm like, man, I had a great set tonight. Or I wouldn't say like that sound like a douchebag, but I'd be like, wow, like really, really went well, blah, blah, blah. And like, and then, and then if she doesn't like, if she doesn't immediately go like, Oh, how was it, babe? Like, tell me about it. I'd be like, you don't care about me. And of course that's like, I'm whittling it down to, to sound like very much like, like I'm playing a victim, but like I have a hard time seeing, the support in others because they don't match the level of intensity yeah, I have. You, you can't expect any support from others. You have to expect support from you. That's it. That's the hardest nobody, part. Nobody. Nobody. Oh, come on. Like, no, not, you know what I mean? Like, but that's like, it's like bitterness when you help somebody out and they don't like immediately thank you. That's like the Catholic guilt or whatever. You feel bitter because like, uh, I, it's like, I did something for you. Like, why are you, why are you like loving me more? It's like, it's like, it's like a toxic form of a love language of affirmations where it's like, or not, or acts of service. We're like, I've done service for you. I've done all this. I helped you. Like, you know, t- Tasha had to go walk that walk a friend's cat, but Tasha's allergic. So I had to really do it. Not like walk, walk it, not cat? walk it, but like play with it. <laughs> okay. And she's like, I can't touch it. And I'm like, so why the fuck am I doing your favors for you? You know what I mean? And I, I got like resentful. And it's like, just shut the fuck up, Dave. Just shut up. Like I have to like, I, I play every, I keep, I keep score in my head um, nonstop 
and I know I'm not winning. I know I know that I I feel like I do more uh, than she does for me, and and there's a bitterness that comes with that. And then and then it'll blow up one day, and I'll be like, I've done all this shit. Like why do? But like she's not even reading it that way. Well, there's a. Because I read, I read chores and I read make, make cooking dinner and breakfast and walking the dog. I read all that, even though I love doing it. I have no problem in the morning. I make a cup of coffee, clean up things, whatever. But there is no, there is a problem because okay, honestly, can I talk? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> talk to me. It comes at a price for Tasha. You doing all those nice things. Because later you bring them up as a weapon when you get something that I, you don't when you get when you don't get the response that you want from Tasha you bring it up. I know. So it's a price. And I and so I understand then, that. But so what's my option to not do those things in the first place? The option, or just like yeah, accept, or, or expect or nothing mindset. in return. That's it. Just fix my mindset. Yeah, or, or fix like either don't do them, or do them and then expect nothing. Right. And I don't mind doing them. It's just that. And again, I call it Catholic guilt or whatever people, I'm sure I know the Jewish guilt is out there. It's everyone's got a guilt attached to their religion, you know, go figure. But it's like this guilt that it's like, no, 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 no. Cause in my house, whenever I even visit my mom, she'll text me like, Hey, bring some milk home. She needs me. Like they don't need the money. They don't need any of that. She just needs me to know I'm not freeloading off of her cause she feels this bitterness. So with my relationship, it's like I do all of this like physical work and I and if I don't get the response I want, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I should expect nothing in return. I just need to figure out how to make that happen. How to just selflessly do all these things and know that uh, she's not necessarily doing like sharing that form of love back with me. It's it's you have to give that to yourself. Like yeah. like, like I was talking about with Michael. Like I was, he was the bounce off guy and like for a month there I was like, "Okay, Michael's gone." And no, I can't rely on anybody else. I can ask 13 different people f- for opinions on what to do with my career or what to do with my blah, 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 blah. And nobody's going to be able to give me the answer. The only person to give me the answer is me. That's it. So I didn't ask anybody any questions for like a month, man. And I went <laughs> crazy. I went crazy. But you know what? Now I can make decisions. But that was you f- going into a growth mindset. That was you. Right. You but saying- so you have to give yourself everything that you you have to define. I think this is what I mean, but ugh, who knows? I'm not like, you know, <laughs> I sound like. Rah, yeah, but know? this is the issue with codependence like myself is that I know, like I know I can do it all on my own, but because I have somebody to quote unquote care for, and I don't mean that in a smug way, but like she can, she doesn't need me to care for her is my point, but I have her there. I can take care of the dog. I can, uh, you know, pick her up from the airport. I can do all these things where I don't even need her to do that for me. I'll, I'll get a, I'll get a lift. I'm fine. I don't, mm-hmm. the codependent that I am, like I want to do things for other people, but I also don't want them to do it back for me. I just want them to acknowledge all of the love I've given them. Right. I understand that that's toxic. Yeah. yeah. But that is a trade that you're looking for yeah that is a pay- there's a payoff there what's your payoff an emotional some kind of payoff you're Just looking that for belly a scratch and that's all i want i mean like yeah i like physical touch but what i love more than anything is for like for her say i say I, say you know she goes to work early or whatever and i stay home and i clean the kitchen like i'm talking like really the little details you know and then and then i and then i'm gone and then she texts me babe that that was so lovely what you did thank you so much mm-hmm. that means the world to me you know, and that's all I need. Uh, but, but she's not giving it to you, right? I mean, in, in most in most cases, when it's above and beyond, she is. But if it's just like me doing something like small on the daily, that's the issue with me. Is it's those little corrosive things where it's like that, that, where it's like little things that I do, where it's like I'll make breakfast and then she'll ask me to help her make the bed, and I'll be like, I just fucking made breakfast. So you know, you, like, you've, you've communicated this to her, and she hasn't changed, right? Uh, well. 
I think, I think it's like, it's like telling a blind person what they're looking at. So like I've, Ugh, that sounds horrible to say, but I've I've explained to her like I need your genuine affirmations in certain instances. And what does she say? Um, I think she I think she responds well to that, but doesn't understand it because that's not what she needs. So it's like if she tells me she needs quality time, I go, okay. I have to like it's almost like an autistic person. You know, they've they've said like a lot of times when an autistic person doesn't know how to feel certain emotions, but they but they have to learn that like that's what the emotions are. So they so have to learn how to read people. So a I have way to, that you can communicate to her what that would look like. So if she says something like, "I want quality time," you could say, "I want quality time," and you could mean sex. And she wants quality time, and she could mean going to the movies. So when she says quality time, you hear sex. So you try to make the moves on her, and she's like, "Ah, shit! You didn't take me to the movies. You don't care about me." conflict right right so you two can say the same exact thing but mean different things like i want respect from my partner what you mean respect is complete honesty no matter what blunt that person means oh take care of my feelings those two people come together think they're giving each other respect they do in their own definition but conflict because you've been blunt to her because that's how you show respect she's sugarcoating things she's showing you respect but both of you are not showing each other the respect in the model of the world that you're functioning in right so we don't even acknowledge it and there's right. bitterness in both so ends. what does that mean oh, did, i need did, did. you to i need you to care about i need you to whatever and what that would look like is then that you're expressing your model of the world. Yeah. And that's where people don't. I and the think. struggle that we still have is that we, we, I think, uh, put it this way. I think our love wells are like the sizes of our bladder. I've got a large bladder. I think my love well takes a long time to run dry. With Tasha, I think one wrong look or one wrong accusation or criticism of her immediately evaporates the love well. So I need, and again, it's not my problem that she's sort of like, it, it's, it's that, that there, there's a very, um, it's very tough to balance what keeps that love in her well. But at the same time, I have to acknowledge that like, look, if I'm going to, I've got to sugarcoat things in certain ways that if I'm going to be critical or something, I need to do it in the right moments. And I've been guilty of being critical of her when I know she can't handle it. And I can be, I can, I'm, I'm sensitive. So like the wrong YouTube comment can piss me off. Right. Like I know I'm sensitive. So like be nice on YouTube, but also I know I can, you don't look at it. Or don't look at it. So you can't do anything exactly, about these people. Exactly. Like, and I've thought of that too, where I'm like, all right, I might have to, like, if, if, if I was to have something drastic happen, I would have to, you know, I don't know. Like, yeah, you're right. You have to control what you can. You so can't like if, 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 if Instagram comments drive you nuts, you have to disable it or delete the app. And I've had times when my days aren't going well and someone and I'm going, having a back and forth where I've deleted Facebook or Instagram off my phone and you don't delete the content. You just delete it. So that way the day, like you get through the day without, without clicking on something that you know is going to rile you up. Mm-hmm. So like internet fights, things like that, that doesn't bother me so much. What bothers me is when like I've got a close friend or Tasha or family member that I'm not seeing eye to eye with and we can't, quite communicate and yeah you're right it, it happens when when we're both shouting our love at the other person and not and it bouncing right back because they're not abs- uh, absorbing it mm-hmm. it absolutely happens in that case and 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 all and i look and i look at tasha and i go all she wants is to feel my love and sometimes i i just can't provide it and i'll be obsessive about my own issues and it doesn't mean i don't love her any less it just means that like I'm a flawed individual like the rest of us. And even though 
in most cases I can look far enough in advance to know when like she needs quality time and I can be like, all right, I've been working really hard. She's been working really hard. Let's take a day to get like, I can, I'm starting to learn to look at that for her, but I also have to realize that like at any moment I can walk in with the wrong attitude. I can walk in having gotten in a fight with somebody else and even try to explain it to Tasha and it's enough to trigger her because she's so like, what the fuck, man? Because she's got that bubble around her and I'll like pierce it with my own fucking shit. So I have to like, you know, and, and again, in some- you can't bend yourself over backwards in enough ways to satisfy someone else. Yeah. You can't. And that's what you're trying to do, it sounds like. It's like, ah, uh, things I'm doing are triggering to Tasha and so I'm going to bend this way. Let's see if this works. Nope. And then, and then, it's bad. It's bad both ways. Okay. Well, I've had to learn I've had to learn to communicate certain issues to friends. Like um I got my buddy Darren. He's one of my best friends. He's he's a brother to me. And sometimes I'll have to like if I have like financial things I want to talk about, sometimes I'll talk talk to him about it rather than her because I feel like he's as a guy and as a man can relate to me as a wanting to provide not, not to say Tasha can't relate, but like there's just certain instances where I've had to realize don't put all of the burden of my issues on Tasha because she can only handle what she can handle. And, and then she's not my guidance counselor. So I've had to just actively kind of spread out my love for my friends it to be like, okay, well let's call this friend and like work, work it out with them just because I don't want to put that burden on her because I know it can be tolling to her. So I understand like not, I don't want to have to, you know, bend over backwards to please her, but I also don't want to give her any undue extra bandwidth to process when she's not in a place where she can process it. And I know what people, if you're thinking, you go, well, what's a relationship for if you can't like share some of your darkest pains with them? And it goes, well, in this case, sometimes, you know, well, does I, she show you the same kind of concern that you show for her? Um, or does she just do whatever she feels? Like? I love it when she shares with me her issues, right? Not the petty issues like, oh, traffic sucks, blah, blah, blah. But I love it. I, I, I don't, this in like a morose way i love it when she like breaks down just needs a hug and like i feel needed i feel like i can love her and like help her through that but but it's also hard when she's like complaining about a job that you know you know it wasn't going right because i know you know she's i know it paying really well and i and i know as a guy like i you know having done some blue collar ass shit in my past Mm -hmm. and you know i've done some jobs where i got dirty for little pay and Mm -hmm. i'm like and i and i'll have to remind myself not to just be like hey like not to try to fix things and be like babe here's a positive you're making a lot of money you need to just suck it up that's not going to work i need to understand that whether she's making a million bucks an hour or 10 bucks an hour her feet are going to hurt the same amount from the job she's doing and that so so for me it's just about learning how to do that dance of like communicating with her and knowing when i if, if i need something out of somebody like you said i need to provide that for myself i need to provide the searching for those affirmations from others i need to get those from myself i get them on stage i don't need them from her if i have a show and i crush i go yeah. i go i don't need you to laugh at my joke the whole audience did i'm good but i still struggle with that with like because i think it i think it should be okay to be a certain level of codependent. I think it should be okay to want your significant other to tell you the things you like to hear. I think that's like mm-hmm. gentle and nice. Like I don't have any crying fits where I'm like, just tell me I'm doing well. She could literally question how I'm doing and I could go, well, I can look at it and be like, oh, things are actually going pretty well for me. Do you want to parcel this out? What does that mean? Okay, this is what's happening right now, right? This is what I'm kind of feeling and you tell me if this is like accurate or not. Okay. I'm seeing a ball of yarn 
There's a bunch of strings. It's all tangled up in this one thing. You don't have clarity in what's happening. And so everything is folding into one another. So now there's this big ball of yarn that's sitting in front of you. That's my career. If you parcel <laughs> it out, then you can figure out what the next game plan is and get some clarity in your head because there's so much going on that it's like a whirlwind of yarn and just needs to be parceled out and figure out, oh, this piece is this, this piece is this, this piece is this, but right now it's all folding together. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm just like a simple, I agree with you, but like the, the, the stupid cliche, like happy wife, happy life, it's like, I want, I'm battling all my career battles on my own. That's something that like no one, you know, people help. No, I've definitely got friends that help me out along the way, but like I'm, I'm okay with going at it alone. Like I, I enjoy, I'm kind of like a solo guy when it comes to that type of shit. Every sport I've, as much as I do like teamwork and stuff, I've always been like the pitcher. It's like, give me the ball. I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's just me on the mound. That's it. Stand up. It's me on stage. That's it. I like to call those types of shots. Mm-hmm. So, it's not too complicated what I want out of the relate. I just want, I just want to get over the resentfulness, because I know deep down, she loves me. She means well, and she's not trying to like take any successes away from me. She just, she just. Although I'll say this, it's tough. It's tough because it's a slow curve to to success. It's a slow. You know, we're talking seven years in. We're sitting in my Toyota doing mm-hmm. a podcast here. It's a slow grind. And we've got friends that are realtors or salesmen or whatever, and they buying homes and they're having, they had their second kid and, and it's just not, it's just not our path. So like, and and then they pay their own price. I don't look at them and get jealous, but I think she does. And I don't doubt, and I don't blame her. I think women can have a, a harder time with like the sort of the, uh, the, the, the model that society wants them to fall into. We could, we could be happy living, you know, out of our cars doing stand up on the road. Plenty of comics do that until do they you know. Are you clear about what you want? Yeah. My, my happiness. I can't, this is what's happening. I'm trying to follow. Yeah. But there's so much going on that I don't <laughs> even know. Like, because, like, I want, because everything what Tasha wants, everything what you want, everything you think about your career, everything what Tasha wants about her, it's all in well, this Well, everything one I big... want is tangled into making her happy. And I know that's toxic. Okay, can we take her out of the equation for a second? Sure. So, if, so back in my single days, when I was in New York doing stand-up, I was super happy. I was single. I wasn't in any relationships. I was kind of like sleeping around. Whatever was there, I'd have Sunday to myself. I had a lot of alone time that I needed. So I'd go on long runs and work out. All the single guy things. Single guys are always in great shape, right? A lot of alone time just time to chill out sit in the steam room the sauna i had my boys i had that fraternity and and i was happy pursuing my creativity okay and that what i've in in i don't i can look on that fondly but not like miss it but that's going so for like on a bigger scale, what do you want for your life? I want I want uh, the financial success and financial independence to to do comedy, to to make movies, to write, to do to do the jobs that bring all my friends together. Okay, more money. Well, Which well, just- even that's not the it's not the money so much as like the fact that you know when you when you get to a certain level of respect from your peers and your audiences that the money's there because you you're at a level where like i would love nothing more than to perform in front of 50 audience members every night of the week one show a night you for the rest algebra? of my yeah Sim- we got to simplify man <laughs> there was like two like because like i'm telling you i'm telling you it'll make you feel better I swear to God. But it's simple with that. I mean, I just want to I just want to keep on working towards 
um, monetizing my creativity. Okay. And that's it. And in seven years in, there isn't much monetization, but like w- the jobs that you do monetize seven years in, like I always say working at Enterprise because it, it's just a fucking joke. Sorry if you work at Enterprise you and you love Enterprise? it. No, but then my <laughs> point my point is that I could be seven years in at Enterprise and be up the corporate ladder and be a VP of sales at someone, you know, the Burbank division, but I wouldn't be any closer to being happy. Whereas I'm happy right now, but also with stand-up, the pay doesn't always cut till you're a headliner. Not to say, uh, and that's a limitation I don't want to believe, but it's, it's you know, you don't get paid till you're the one with the draw. That's why you do the podcast and you do the social media followings because you want to have an audience of people that want to come see you. That way you can perform in a library or uh, the Red Rock Theater or in Colorado. You can perform wherever you want because you have an audience that'll come see you. You can travel the world. And that's what I'm p- pushing towards is knowing that I'm on my path, I'm working towards it. I'm trying to like get into the college circuit, to the whatever circuit, because I know that in hours, I, I know that in an, working for an hour, like as a headliner, you can make a couple thousand bucks. I know that that's out there. And that's more valuable to me than making $22 an hour doing my side jobs. So it's how quickly can I get to the lucrative pay that also is what I love to do versus the thing I don't like to do that the pay sucks and the pay sucks because no one cares for that but if you can get to the point where you have an audience and a draw and you're and you're making 10 bucks a head that comes in to see you and you're selling out theaters that's why the Bill Burrs make 50 grand a show they really do and that's because they've built this audience that loves what they do and they're authentic and I want to be that version of myself I'm not comparing myself to them because the threshold for that is so low where like like I said if it's only having 15 people come to a show at night that's still enough to survive you know that's 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 so what I want is not some crazy like oh I need I need to do it for the money and blah blah, blah. no 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 trust me 7 years in uh, you would have quit already if you were doing it for the money. You would have quit right. the first year when you realized it's a long journey. Right. But it's about how do I sustain myself? Like this one comic booked 25, she booked uh, 25 colleges from one audition, right? So that's, she's making $3,500 a show. So that's, you know what I mean? She, that's approaching six figures just from that. Okay, so that's enough to be successful for the year. Now she has all of her other little dinky things that she does to make money. Mm-hmm. You're looking at, okay, a couple hundred grand a year. That's not crazy. That's all out there. That's University of Delaware. There's an audience of 20 people coming to see you perform because they all pooled their money together and it's part. Of, that's just part of the deal. So it's just not, it's not some crazy thing that I yearn for, like this crazy success. I just, I just like the idea of working with people that make me happy. I've always loved shooting sketches with friends, writing circles, stand-up comedy, whether it's in front of five people or 400 people. It generally provides me the same vibe of energy. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think I've got my own uh, act that's working towards being something people want to go take their friends to go see. So, and I also think I can balance that with my relationship. Absolutely. Right. I think I think the sooner you get to the full-time uh, co- uh, full-time as a comedian, the sooner you don't have to work the extra 30 hours. I mean, imagine 30 extra hours a week of free time because you're not doing your side gigs. And comics of the 90s and even 2000s, they used to be able to do that with their stand-up. They used to be able to make their spot pay all over town so they didn't have to do the day job. They'd get up at 4 p.m. every day like the single comics and just hustle throughout the night. Mm. I'm willing to balance getting up at 7 a.m cooking my girlfriend breakfast getting the house in order getting her off and then uh, and then and i'm willing to balance all of it but at some point it's like 
80 hours a week adds up. Time is not something that we have much sort of say in with like, you just, you, we're not invincible, you know? Mm. So when you ask what I want, I mean, it really is simple. I just want to, I just, I just want to work, keep on working towards making my money as a comedian. I don't want to, I don't, if, if I've thought about full-time side jobs where like where I get healthcare and paid vacation and this and that, and you go, that's just taking away from my goal. Mm-hmm. And I'm like laser focused on that goal. Does Tasha believe in me? I mean, I think as best as she can, but I think she also wonders, like she sees all the comics that suck all the comics that don't work hard. <laughs> she sees all that. She and she looks at it from that that lens and I'm looking at it from the lens of like I am the only person that exists out there. I you know, and it's just about tapping into that algorithm of of more people that I get to see me as I improve. I'm not sitting on my couch being like, well, I can't, I can't wait for them to find me. No, 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 I'm working hard. Yeah. It's just a matter of working hard but also trying to tinker with this technological age that we're in so that this thing can go. I mean, imagine if this podcast we've just blabbered on about goes viral. Then we, Aiden and Dave, get to go sell out a theater. You know, it's out there for us. It's out there for the taking. It's just a matter of like, again, I'm not waiting in line. I'm, I'm actively pursuing yeah. the different, you know, PR and things you need to do. We got yeah. featured on Valentine's Day, which was a big milestone for us. But I'm actively doing those things in hopes that we get to that next level. That like, that like I get to the level where like, where I'm able to monetize myself in a way that I can't, that that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. And I believe in it. And I don't need it. I don't need anyone else to believe in yeah, it. Yeah, and you got you got to also not need Tasha to believe it. I don't. That's it. I don't. But I mean, I want her support, but also no. like, but if she doesn't, here's the problem. If she doesn't believe in it, you, how long is she going to, you it know? Doesn't, irrelevant. You got to get what you want and that's yeah. it. Take her out of the equipment completely. I, I, I that's think, it. I think I believe in it in a way that I don't need her to believe in it. Right. Me. Yeah. That's where you got to stand firmly. And not let her feeling doubt, not let her feeling like, oh, you're not making enough money as those guys are working enterprise. Not let her uh, questioning whatever. Because I know that's, that's her it. own. Yeah. That's it. There's no, this, this is, we got to keep very, very simple. Streamline, 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 right? Yeah. You believe you're going to make money. You want to make money. You're going to make lots of money. Here's my girlfriend that I love. She's going to tell me things that sometimes are contradictory to what I believe. Well, that's her opinion and it is irrelevant because you are on your way and that is it. That is how clear you must be, not like this. This is what's happening. This is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I, you're very clear about it. You're like, I want this. I want to make money doing this. But sometimes Tasha feels this way and I want to, and then I make her breakfast and then I want to, ah, and then it goes crazy. It's, it's like, ah, so much extraneous information that's why in algebra you simplify 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 if you take all the x's and the y's out of the equation you get two plus two equals four that's what you have going on so as far as your career goes you must stand in the place of i am and you are i can hear it you are i'm on my way to making money i'm on my way to making a headliner i'm on my way to making this podcast thing work and that is what i believe and that is how i'm gonna stand and tasha I love you dearly, but no matter what you say, darling, you're gonna, you can tell me that I suck as a comedian. You can tell me that I'm a shitty comedian, but it doesn't mean anything because <laughs> I know my truth that I am here and you are not. I'm sorry you are not. And that's 
Sorry, and that's I too know, bad. and I know, I'm that's not it. saying it in a way where she's negative, right? And saying I'm not funny and this and that. That's not the case at all. Like she, people can be, people can have moments. I understand. That's not, you know, yeah, it's just a, fe- being... it's just a fear based knowing that there's a great amount of comics that never make it. Well, that's hers. Yeah, so that's, don't let it exactly you. Don't exactly. get get it into you. Yeah. You can, and the, you know what's going to be great? The stronger you stand in it, the less doubt she's going to have. Because if you hear her going, oh, a lot of comics don't make it, and you have it affect you somehow, then she's going to realize the weakness in your progress, right? So if I, if, if okay, like, so let's say we're working on a group project together or something, right? Mm-hmm. And then, okay, say we're doing a project together. And say, Okay, a podcast, for example. You're, you're in charge of the technicals of the podcast, right? If you say, <laughs> if you go, oh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm working out the sound levels or something. And then I listen to it and I go, hmm, what about that little? And then you go, well, I can understand your concern because they didn't really consider that or something like that. It makes me go, shit, I can't trust them to do the sound because... He's unsure. Right. Shit. I'm in fucking trouble. Our podcast might fall apart because he's not in charge of the part that he said he would. Because you don't have the trust that you need that the person's... Right. You need to be like, I got it. Totem pole. That's it. And you do. You do. But I know what you mean. Yeah, it's there. It's just, it's there, but it's also rationalized with a lot of other feelings uh, entangled around it. And you're a sensitive guy. That's why. Like, you're like, oh my gosh, you you have no idea. You do know. You do know. Well, you want to, you want her to feel heard. You want her to feel. I'm, I'm obnoxiously so promote, like I promote her to everybody. I know. I like, I brag about her like a, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm, and, I'm so, and again, I don't apologize for that. We got to get out of here. Yeah, we're, we're going so long. Uh, but yeah, I got a lot to work on. I, I, I'm gonna, I want to come. I'm gonna come no, back. It's not. It's not. I'm not, gonna, you, I'm gonna text you every day telling you that I'm fucking on my way and I'm doing it and uh and I and I want I I do want to continue. You have being to not steadfast. waver on that at all because she's going to see that wavering. She's going to. She's testing you, man. This is what's happening. She is unsure about her situation or whatever. So she's kind of tossing things at you to see how you would react. You, being the sensitive and loving and open-hearted guy you are, are like, I can see how you would be concerned, so let me just take a look. You're like kind of like that. Which then makes her feel like, oh shit, he doesn't have a shit together. I'm nervous. And then you go and react to that. Yeah, you gotta be an unwavering, strong support beam. You really do. Just like now. You are, you were now. Yeah. You are sure you were on your way. You're sure you're making six figures. You're sure that surety cannot. It's just waver. not a dream. It's not a dream. It's not a dreams are kind of like there's this negative connotation, like oh you're following your dreams. It's just a. It's we're laying bricks. The the bricks are jokes, and we're writing one joke after another, and we're stringing them together, and that's why I've got faith in how it all works out. Because like yeah, uh, it's it's. I've never been more sure of any sort of a meritocracy in in entertainment than ha- than how to succeed as a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. It's just it's so much. It makes so much more sense than in the acting world, the writing world, mm-hmm. all these other worlds that have gatekeepers and weird things. You get up on stage, you make people laugh, you make them feel good, you share your truth, and in, in, in rinse and repeat. And that's kind of like where I'm at with it. And um, do we? Oh, I we, I gotta fucking mention this. I got my the next stand-up show. We're doing the brunch stand-up show March seventeenth. Do you want to be on it? Are you around March seventeenth? I'll text you. What find out. It's a it's a it's a eleven thirty a.m. show. Oh, brunch? Yeah, it's a brunch show. We do we do we give away mimosas. It's a it's a stand-up show in Hollywood. Seventeenth. What day of the week is that? It's a Sunday. It's St. Patrick's Day. 
Well, let me I'm know. In the Bay Area. You're in the Bay Area? Yeah. Okay, well, then do the next one. We're going to do it monthly. But I would love for you to be on it. Yeah, and, um, for sure. I want the audience, I want them to, I know they've heard you on a few episodes. I want them to see you perform live. <laughs> Where can people find all your info? Because we got to get out of here. Aiden Park. A-I-D-E-N. A-I-D-A-N. Park.com. You can see my tour dates there. You can follow me on Instagram at Aiden Park Show. A-I-D-A-N-P-A-R-K Show. Amazing. Dude, you are beyond a special guy. You open up and share your story. It's just, I'm like, I, I quiver with like, just great gratitude that I can talk to you and, and hear you overcome all of your issues. It, it's, it's special. Oh, thank you. Know, you. <laughs> you're, you're a strong dude. I know. I know. As comics, don't like to take uh, praise too often. Oh, but, I do. Uh, <laughs> okay. I like it. Shit. Everyone, go ah! praise Aiden. Go, sh- go, share him some love. This dude, he's he's ha- he's overcome a lot, and uh, it's something for us to like look up towards as a good guide. So I appreciate it. Um, and uh, yeah, anything else left to say? We covered a lot this episode. Yeah. No. Well, thank you so much for. <laughs> thank uh, you. <laughs> I think yeah, you're a great guy too, man. You're. <laughs> no, you are. You're so. Uh, you're so you're just so. You're. Yeah, I'm, you're I'm, such a warm, loving guy, and sometimes that's it, my know, kryptonite. So- that's my kryptonite. Is I just. Ugh, I feel I uh, just so many emotions, but uh, <laughs> it's yeah, it's all it's all going in the right direction. And um, anyway, let's get out of here, dude. It's at uh, we're at eighty something minutes, oh, so we got to go. Really? <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for doing the podcast, everybody. This was the Sex Actually podcast, the SAP with Aiden Park. Bye, everybody. Yay! Bye. Woo!